My Wax Museum is a proud member of the Create Vine and is produced by Mecco Radio. Hey, before jumping into today's show, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Mecco Radio in general. That's our little production house we have going on between myself and my siblings. We have a great time creating a ton of shows, including She Has a Name Too, which is all about who moms are when they're not being called mom. My sister Jerrica hosts it. It's an incredible show. I'll just give that one a plug today and probably another one next week. If you want to check out all of them, you can go to mecoradio.com. That's M-E-C-H-O radio.com. It's just echo with an M in front of it, radio.com. See you there. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by Eric Johnson. Now, Eric is a pretty interesting person. When I first met him, he just seemed like somebody who had a love for creativity and creative ideas, which, of course, being a podcaster and a generally creative person, this is exactly the type of person I wanted to hang around. So lucky for me, I got to meet Eric and, of course, invite him onto the show. And remember, after today's show, to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Eric Johnson, welcome to My Wax Museum. Hi, Alex. Good to be here. So I'm excited to have you here. I I feel like my past few interviews, I go through these phases. I'll get like a big group of people from one place in my life, and then a big group of people from the podcast space in my life, and then a big group of people from my family, and it'll be like this rotating cast. So I'm glad I'm back to podcasters now. So do you want to fill the audience in on how we got in touch, how we know each other? Yeah, so um, I'm a podcast consultant, and we were on a networking call, sort of a um, this was the podcast Academy call, right? Last week. Yeah. 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 We, we, we were on a virtual meeting for folks associated with the podcast Academy, which is sort of a loosely affiliated group of people who work in the podcasting industry. And specifically this was about their mentorship program where there's people who have volunteered to be mentors and others who have volunteered to be mentored. Um, it's, by folks in the academy. Um, and so it was just sort of a, a meet and greet chance for, for uh, folks like us to, to talk. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I always, I always feel like a little bit, because some of the guests that I have on, so the rule with my wax museum is that I have to know the person before I invite them on the show. I can't just reach out to strangers and be like, hey, love what you do. Do you want to be on the podcast? It's got to be, we have to interact in some way outside of that request. And I always feel like I'm cheating a little bit when it's like, oh, I meet somebody and then I immediately invite them onto the podcast. But I figure it's within the parameters. It's, yeah. you know, it's there. It's totally it's fine. It's your show. You make up the rules. Exactly. So I say you can also bend them. <laughs> exactly. There have been a couple people who I've had on where it's like, oh, we shared like some tweets in a conversation. <laughs> and I'm like, it works. <laughs> yeah, it counts. Yeah, we have met. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the internet. So anything can happen. And plus, when you're on lockdown, how am I supposed to meet a ton of people other than at these professional podcasting conferences? <laughs> so that's what we're getting a lot of these days. Either it's all fake or it's all real. You just got to pick a side. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So with that, I like to start off with the beginning of of you, of your life. So where are you from originally? I'm from Bethesda, Maryland, originally. 
And uh, yeah, I was born in Washington, D.C. Interesting. Okay, I think you are the third or fourth guest I've actually had from Maryland. So really? yeah, yeah, which is interesting because it's, it's not a huge state. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about what your experience was like growing up in, in Maryland, assuming you did grow up there. I did, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I was very fortunate. I have two very, um, you know, loving parents who, you know, had, um, you know, I grew up a privileged child, a childhood, honestly. You know, I had two parents who uh, were able to provide for me and that were um, very, you know, kind and, and uh, responsible uh, and lovely people. And, you know, they also um, encouraged, you know, m- my my creativity and they they you know um uh saved up for my college were able to send me to college so you know there's, there's a lot of privileges built built in there that a lot of folks don't have um but you know it was a very uh it was a nice pleasant childhood um i'm sure like a lot of people you know i uh i look back on high school with some derision because that was a stressful you know time time to you know for, for anyone i'm sure um but uh, so that's kind of my most recent memory of living in Maryland is just sort of the, the, <laughs> the last years of high school, uh, which was not great. But the rest of it was good. Um, grew up in the suburbs um, and uh, yeah, just, you know, ha- had a very um, idyllic suburban childhood, I guess. Interesting. OK, so I, I always like this to ask this question. And I, ha- I have a few other questions that kind of popped into my head. So I'll, I'll ask those later on. But I like to ask. What's the best part about the place where you're from, like Maryland or Bethesda? Like, what is the best part about it? I'd say the best is also the worst. Let me explain. Um, I went to a school that um, was relatively, you know, liberal minded. I mean, it's a pretty left wing place to be, you know, so I was exposed from a young age to folks of different ethnicities, different, you know, who were born in other countries because maybe their parents were diplomats working in D.C., right? So I was, I was, you know, from a young age exposed to a lot of different types of people. However, um, Montgomery County, Maryland, which is where Bethesda is, is uh, still segregated by race um, for, it has been for, forever um, in the schools. And so I don't think I had any black friends. That's something that like really sunk in when I got older, I got to college, I went to other places, I met other people was just like, there just weren't all, almost any, you know, black children at my school. And that's because the county was segregated based on, you know, classic American racist, you know, uh, style of, you know, um, this area is redlined, you know, so black, black people weren't allowed to buy houses in this area or that area. Um, and then later on, you know, there's other like more subtle ways that people were, were, were pushed around. Um, and so, you know, it was this weird cognitive dissonance because I feel like I was, I feel like I was given a better introduction to the pluralism, to the, the diversity of the world from a young age than many people were. But at the same time, I was also denied, uh, some, some of the, you know, um, some of that diversity. I was, um, walled off in in some ways from from meeting people um at a young age who you know i should have met if it to really appreciate folks who were like literally next door you know right that is really interesting because you got exposed to people from other countries but not people with other viewpoints and life experiences from your from your own country 
Was that? Yeah, I mean, well, y- yes and no. I mean, certainly I met people with with other viewpoints from who were also American, right. but but it was an incomplete picture, you know. Right. And that's something that's really uh, it's, it's, it's a head scratcher. Just look, looking back and and re- realizing it's the um, <laughs> it's it's that classic uh, uh, um, Donald Rumsfeld quote when he was talking about the Iraq War, and he's like the unknown unknowns, like the stuff that you don't know that you don't know. I didn't realize what I was missing at that age. It was just not something that ever consciously occurred to me. The fact that I was in a segregated school district, you know, but as an adult, it was, it's painfully obvious. Right. That is so interesting to me. Uh, So another question that popped into my head, going back to kind of your early experience. And I think, you know, all of these things, these two topics will, will continue to come up in throughout our conversation here. But the other question I had was, what did your parents do to foster your creativity? What were the experiences that you were you were given to to encourage your creative your creative juices? Well, I mean, we certainly they had a lot of you know books in the house where they read they read to they read to me from it from a young age, um, and we always had you know um, TV and movies on, and they were you know, um, encouraging, I guess, like a variety of different things. I couldn't say specifically, I don't, I don't really have a great answer for this, unfortunately, because, um, at that age, it's one of those things where you, where anything that happens in your life, you just sort of take as written, you don't really think about it. And so I don't think I made very many like distinct memories of like, they are doing something special for me here, even though I'm a hundred percent sure they were. Um, yeah. So I'm afraid I don't, I don't really have a great answer there. No, that's totally okay. It kind of leads me because you mentioned books and movies and TV. You in our conversation before we even hit record, you were talking about how you used to do a pop culture podcast and how you have written these articles and a newsletter as well. And so you obviously have a love for film and television. You even mentioned in the quick questions, your bucket list item that you would love to host and put on a film festival of some sort in the future where where does that love of film come from is is there like a place that started uh i think i was born at the right time because i was born after the vhs boom and so there was just very easy accessibility by by the 90s to uh you know have you know all these movies that are in the home library, it was affordable to have an entire, you know, library of movies. Um, and so, you know, we had all the, you know, stuff when I was a kid, all the, all the Disney movies, all the, you know, various animated stuff. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, DVDs came along and, you know, that opened the, 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 that broadened my, my um, cultural worldview even more, just being able to, to get all these classic movies and, and see those from a young age. I think that had a huge impact on me. And was there a first movie that you remember watching? Certainly not the first movie I ever watched, but the one that I know I watched the most uh, was the Disney adaptation of Peter Pan, um, the animated one from the, I think the fifties. Um, that's, that's the one that I watched over and over and over again. I'm sure my, I'm sure I don't, I barely remember it now, but I'm sure my parents could tell you every line cause I watched it so much. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I've got a niece who watches movies over and over and little siblings who have done that. So I I don't know if I ever did that as a kid. My mom might be able to say similar things to your parents. I think about. I think every kid probably does that at some point because I remember talking with uh, some friends of mine when they when they had their first daughter, and I was asking them, you know, like, so 
are you ready for, you know, for her to watch the same thing over and over again? And they said, yes. And we already have a plan. It's going to be Moana. We're going to foist Moana on her from a young <laughs> age because we like that movie and we're okay with watching that a million times. <laughs> <laughs> you better hope that they're going to be okay with watching it a million times once they get to that a million times. They, they will find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. I guess, yeah, all kids do that. As we get into your kind of present life, I'm curious, do you have a favorite movie now? Just something that you look to and say like that, that is my number one? Yeah, I think it's uh, the Billy Wilder movie, The Apartment, starring Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. It's a movie from 1960, but you would not know it if you watched it. It was so far ahead of its time. It's not only a incredibly funny and well shot movie and just well acted all throughout, but it was so far ahead of the culture just in terms of um, all the stuff that keeps on coming up now in terms of, you know, uh, romances that emerge in the workplace and um, what it means to be a, be a good person, you know, to, to, to fellow people. I mean, it was, um, it's just an incredible, you know, film and it's also incredibly uh, funny and sometimes, and sometimes sad and it's, it's everything. It's uh, I, I love that movie so much. That is interesting. The apartment. The you apartment, said? yeah. The apartment, okay. I'll I'll add that to my watch list. That's really interesting. Yeah. So look, looking at your experience now as a creative person, we mentioned that you're a podcaster. That's how we know each other. You're into film. What is it about these things that that keeps you involved, that gets you interested in them? What is it about podcasts that gets me interested? About podcasting, about film, like just about these these creative things that you're into. Well, in the quick questions at the start, you were asking me to sum myself up in one sentence. And I said something to the effect of, you know, I, I'm someone who likes to share the things I'm enthusiastic about with other people. And I like hearing what they like in return. And I think that's really that's really it is that um, the, the 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 joy of, you know, sharing something I love with, with someone else and then, you know, hearing back from them like, oh, that's great, but have you seen this? Or say them saying, oh, I went off and watched The Apartment and it really, you know, this is what really resonated with me. This is the thing that made me laugh the most. This is the thing that made me cry, you know, uh, or, or for that matter, listening to other people talk about culture. I listened to a bunch of movie and mostly movie podcasts, a couple TV podcasts. And just the, the energy of that, that exchange when people talk about movies or tv or podcasts or books or art in general you know i that's that's something i i, I love that I, I live for that sort of um the frisson of, of that uh of that exchange interesting yeah the exchange the conversation happening around these creative projects hey guys thanks for listening to the show this year has been an absolutely incredible year for our podcasting for meco radio we love bringing you these shows and would love it if you checked out the other shows we have going on as well. You can listen to all of the shows on mechoradio.com. That's M-E-C-H-O radio.com. See you over there. Now, back to the show. What do you think is the coolest thing happening in, I guess, in this creative storytelling space, whether film or podcasting? I think the coolest thing is that um, I'm going to go with film because most of the podcasts I listen to are nonfiction and are therefore the storytelling is a little bit looser. I think the coolest thing in film, even though right now it has been um, dominated by the big companies, by the Disney's and Netflix's and stuff of the world, 
Um, those companies have a huge amount of power to determine what we're watching, and I'm a little bit wary of that. But I think the coolest thing is the fact that the internet has been this great leveler. I guess this is true of, of podcasting as well. Um, but like specifically thinking of fictional narratives and film, you know, because it's basically equivalent how difficult the, the difficulty of watching a, you know, superhero movie on Disney Plus and watching a really original, like incredible uh, indie film on, you know, uh, on Canopy or on the Criterion channel or whatever, provided you have the right subscriptions, the right hardware, it's basically the same. It used to be that, you know, um, only the first thing was accessible to a broad audience. And now just if you are so inclined, if you want to expose yourself to, you know, a completely different style of creativity, a different style of filmmaking, and then for that matter, different styles of podcasting or of writing or whatever, I think the internet has been a net positive for that. And it's been really, um, it's been really good for me to the fact that it is so easy to, you know, watch a lot of different things to not have to pigeonhole hold myself into just what's popular or just what's the only thing available on TV or at the multiplex or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's definitely opened up the world. I know with my own experience getting into podcasting, the the opportunities that have opened up to me, the people that I've been able to interact with, I wouldn't be having this conversation right now if it weren't for the internet. We're having this conversation over the internet. Almost all of my interviews these days are over the internet with people who, even if I could do it in person, they're too far away, right? And so I think, yeah, the accessibility to those things, to to access these old films, because you mentioned The Apartment, you know, way back when, how would you find access to that, right? You'd have to find somebody who owns it somewhere, maybe that might rent it but it's an old film so and, and, and like you maybe you would find out about it maybe if you read a certain magazine or you were one of the lucky few who went to a college that had a good film program where you had a professor who would show it right but even just the discovery even hearing about it someone listening to this they might decide they don't want to watch a you know this older movie but they might not have ever even heard of it if if not for you know just the accessibility of, of modern days so exactly yeah it's amazing and you can google it you can google old movies what movies and there's going to come up a top 10 list and where to watch it and how to get it and and it's not you know it's not all that expensive either you don't even have to pay for a whole ticket if it's on youtube to rent or amazon prime to rent whatever so that yeah i'd have to i'd have to concur that that is something amazing for creativity and storytelling in general so Looking at your experience as a podcaster a little bit more now, because this is a huge part of of what you're doing with your life these days, give give a little bit of background, kind of like the conversation we had before we even recorded about where where you came from in podcasting and then how you got to where you are now and what exactly it's doing. Yeah, so I got my start in commercial radio, working at WBRU in Providence, Rhode Island. And that's where I was in the news department there. I was doing a little bit of podcasting, but mostly like live on the air, FM radio stuff. Um, but that was my introduction to working in audio and my how I discovered that I loved doing it. And uh, then flash forward a couple of years, I was um, working at Recode, the tech news website. And uh, I as a side project there, I launched 
a pop culture podcast for fun, the one you were talking about earlier, uh, Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. And that was just something, it was just a, you know, a, a week, nights and weekends sort of thing. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be um, anything gigantic. But what it did was it gave me a lot of the the skills and uh, the necessary skills. Then a few months later, I could uh, step up and become the producer of Recode Decode with Kara Swisher, which is what I did from 2015 to 2020. Um, that was my, you know, real proper entry into the podcasting industry was making that show for almost five years, uh, which I love doing. I mean, Kara is an amazing interviewer. Um, we got some some incredible guests, you know, ranging from, um, you know, Hillary Clinton to Elon Musk to Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, it, it was, and that show was, it was a phenomenon and, and for good reason, I think um, is something I'm immensely proud of. And so, yeah, like I was telling you uh, before we started recording, you know, eventually um, after almost five years of that show, um, I went to Kara and said, like, you know, I love working with you, but I think it's time for me to go off and do something more entrepreneurial to to try something new creatively. Um, she was so supportive of that. Like that was something that um, you could not have asked for a better response. Um, she was really just encouraging for, from day one as soon as she heard that's what I wanted to do. And so then, yeah, last year I launched Bumblecast, which is a podcast uh, studio and consulting firm. And um, I've been doing that since December of 2020. And the way Bumblecast works is I spend about half my time helping other podcasters either start new shows or grow existing shows. And the other half of my time I spend on original podcasts, uh, the first of which is called Follow Friday. And that's the, the show that I host. It's a weekly interview show where I talk to internet creators. I had Excuse me, let me say it again. It's a weekly interview show where I talk to internet creators I admire about who they follow online. Um, so the, it's a really interesting window into what they care about and, and how they think because you hear them articulating why have they chosen to to follow specific people. And you, you get to hear them puzzling out what it represents about them the same way that you know I might talk about how much I love the apartment and you can infer from from watching that you know what it says about me um, hearing their recommendations about people to follow you know is just a completely unique window into their personalities um, and I've, I've really loved doing it yeah that is really interesting and it does it does say so much about who somebody is right because it shows it shows what do i want to see when i when i log on to the internet inevitably every single day what is it that i want to see in my feed my inbox whatever it is so i think that's a really really interesting concept like i mentioned to you i've got a couple of those episodes downloaded ready to to listen to when i get through all the other ones in my <laughs> in my queue. As a podcaster, I'm sure you can understand. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've got my own. I, I have my my podcast app. I've got a new system. I've recently started doing where if a show's been sitting in my queue for for more than a week, I have to really be able to make a case to to myself to keep it there. Um, if I can't come up with compelling argument, to, you know, then then it, then it gets deleted. Even though that hurts sometimes, where it's like. I know this is good, but I haven't listened to it yet. I gotta, I gotta cut the cord at some point. Yeah, I do the exact same thing. But the problem, my problem is right now, it's filled up with all these series and stuff, and I'm trying to 
listen to to understand how they tell their story and what they do. And I put those in a different app. I actually have two podcast apps. And what I did is I, I put those in a different app where it's like, these are, you know, I need to listen to these for professional reasons or for, for narrative reasons. Like, and so they, they, they get special treatment. Hey, that's not a bad idea, actually. That might be a good way because right now it's all a mess for me. It's all a mess. <laughs> So I really like that, though. And I like your your podcast idea. I was complimenting you on the artwork. I'm going to have links to that in the show notes. And we'll, uh, we'll leave a hot second uh, to, to plug that at the end here. But be, before we get into the end portion of the podcast, I want to hear about where it is you want to take Bumblecast, where it is you want to take Follow Fridays, and, and what you're kind of seeing your future as. Where I want to take it, I mean, I'm not someone, even though I live in San Francisco in Silicon Valley, I'm not someone who's necessarily, you know, trying to become a billionaire. I don't think that's really, you know, that doesn't really excite me. Um, Would I like to have more money? Yes, everyone would. But, you know, uh, you know, I I would like to see Bumblecast become something where it's obviously profitable and it's, it's something where I can live comfortably from a mixture of the, you know, consulting and the original shows. Um, and I want to, you know, have it as a creative outlet, something that I can use to, you know, um, express the the ideas that I want to chase, that I want to pursue. We were talking about how we have, uh, you know, lists of podcast ideas. You know, I want to use it as a, you know, a, a publishing house for to get some of those ideas, you know, make those into realities. And I also want it to be, you know, an educational uh, resource for people. I want it to be something that folks who need help with any aspect of podcasting that they can turn to and, you know, feel like it's, it's there for them, that it's supporting them. Because uh, I, I do really want to make sure that, you know, other people's creativity uh, also gets, um, you know, aired and gets every opportunity it can possibly get um, to, to be realized. Um, in terms of Follow Friday, you know, that's just something where um, right now I'm just having fun with it and just experimenting with the show. We were talking about how, uh, I think this was before we were recording, we were talking about how Follow Friday for me is both a, you know, it is a, a, a money-making show, but it's also a living laboratory. It's something that I'm using to experiment with everything from editing to interviewing to social media to all of it. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, um, as it grows, I'm hoping to, you know, try different stuff with it, try, try weird stuff with it. And we'll just, you know, see where it goes. I, I want to keep an open mind and not uh, foreclose on, you know, what it could become in the future. Hmm. I, I really like that. I think too often we, you know, we make that five-year plan and that 10-year plan. And we say, on X date, I will do this. On this date, I will do this. I really like that you're like, I'm doing these things. I'm enjoying these things. And this is this is my hope. We'll see where it goes, right? Especially, especially with Follow Fridays being this experimentation. I just love, I think every podcaster needs a podcast that they can just play with and and mm-hmm. and try and you know see how different things work and try different things out i think it's just it's our clay right it's it's what what we're we're having fun with i mean i guess the, the rebuttal to that though would be like if you have some show that's like a passion project of like a really specific narrative vision or like you have a personal life experience that you know needs to be told and that there's not really you know 
it's it's too risky to be experimental with it where you just need to get the story out in the you know most straightforward manner i think i think that's totally legitimate i don't i don't want to uh i would i wouldn't advise a podcaster to you know skip that in the name of having an experimental space um but yeah, for, for for folks like me, and it sounds like for you as well, it is good to have that opportunity to have a, a space to play in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with that, as we get into the last little bit of the interview, I have a few more questions I like to ask. And to, to start off, I just want to give you a chance to just plug everything, tell people where they can follow you, and also tell me as I'm editing this, what links am I putting in the show notes? <laughs> okay, let me see if I can get it all in one go. I'm on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. Uh, Follow Friday is at followfridaypodcast.com. I Bumblecast is at bumblecast.fm. And it's also on uh, Twitter at bumblecast.fm. It's on Instagram at bumblecast.fm. Let's see. Follow Friday is on Twitter at followfridaypod. Instagram at followfridaypod. Um... And then I do a uh, weekly email newsletter called Watch This, which is at watchthis.substack.com. That's where I review movies and TV shows and other things I'm watching. And and I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Eric Johnson. But I think if you go to the profile of my username, I think it's hey, hey, ESJ there as well. I think that's it. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think... That'll get people started. Yeah, yeah. No, and I guess I should probably just say for, for folks who, you know, if, if they missed it earlier, so Bumblecast is, you know, uh, is a consulting firm that'll help you start a podcast or grow a podcast. And Follow Friday is my first original show. And that's the weekly interview show talking about who people follow online. Um, and I already described what watch, watch this is. Perfect. So I'll have links for all of those in the show notes. Now, this is my last question. This is the big question that I love hearing. I... I love hearing people's response to this because I, I feel like it says so much about what matters to us. And so this question is at the very end of your life, when you're looking back on everything you've experienced up till now and everything you will experience between now and the end, you're seeing all of it, however things have grown, however things have developed, what are the things you think you'll be most proud of and satisfied with? Well, this is going back to the the quick questions. The very first quick question you asked me when, before we started recording here was um, who my favorite person was. And I told you Mr. Rogers because of the enormously positive impact that he had on broadcasting and on the culture as a whole. And so that's something I, w- I would like to have a legacy like that where I, where I can, at the end of things, be able to look back in my own way, not necessarily in the same way that he, that he could, but that I could look and just see that I have positively influenced people to be making stuff that is, um, that, that, that is, you know, creatively, you know, um, it's, it's, that's creatively original and that is positive and that, that is making the world in some way smarter or healthier or better, wiser, you know, more generous, more kind. Um, and also that, you know, and even if it's not, to the same scale as, as, as Fred Rogers, that, you know, the, the, there's some sense of like, okay, there will be, you know, other people who will pick up the baton and will, you know, go off and, and, and who maybe were in some small way inspired um, to go and continue that, that legacy to, to do something like that with their own generations. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and have a little conversation And with that, I just want to say thank you for joining me. Thank you, Alex. This was fun.
and thank you for listening. Not just to the show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more so to the people around you, the people from your everyday life that you just happen to know. Make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.